From Relay FM, this is Upgrade, episode 498 for February 5th, 2024. This episode is brought to you by FitBod, ExpressVPN, and Squarespace. My name is Mike Hurley. I am currently in New York City. I'm joined by Jason Snell, but we are both in a brand new era. Hi, Jason Snell. We are, am, am I talking to you or your digital persona right now? Who could tell? We're in our vision era now, Jason. That's the vision era. That's right. 498 onward Mm -hmm. the vision era but just because we're in a new era things still stay the same like the snow talk question for this week that comes (laughs) from mark who says what is your preferred time of day to record a podcast Uh, this is a very interesting question um because preferred is a word that uh, i mean when when would i prefer to record all my podcasts i'm not sure what i found is that i record all my podcasts at 9 a.m but do you like doing that? Well, I mean, it gets it gets me up out of bed, ready to go for the day. We do this. We do the Six Colors podcast. I sometimes schedule other podcasts at 9 a.m. It's not a bad time. I have a lot of collaborators who are further east than me. I don't know. And The Incomparable tends to get recorded in the evening, like 6 or 7 my time, which is hard on those east coasters because it's so late for them. But um. I don't know. I mean, it, it, as it turns out, um, both have their advantages. I do downstream in the middle of the day. Usually it's like a two in the afternoon and it's actually kind of weird. So the simple answer to the question is 9 a.m. Pacific, noon Eastern, 5 p.m. London when we do upgrade. Yep. I prefer what I'm doing right now, which is like 12 o'clock in the afternoon. That's wonderful. But I so rarely get to do it. Yes, <laughs> really? Right. I only record High at noon. the time I want to record when I'm in America. When I'm at home, I right. don't want to record sure. at the time that I record. But such is life. That is just when it is. And it's fun. You have all the American collaborators, so you have yep. to record late. That's just how it is. I sure do. If you would like to send in a question of your own to help us open a future episode of Upgrade, just go to UpgradeFeedback.com and send in a snow talk. Now, of course, we do have a lot to cover cover today with the Vision Pro, but we have other things first that we want to do, and then we can get all high in the sky and talk about the Vision Pro. The first is some follow-up about the Digital Markets Act. Now, we are going to be talking about this a lot, I still think, over the next few months, but we had four pieces of feedback at UpgradeFeedback.com that I wanted to talk about maybe to clarify some things we were talking about and to also add some different perspectives. Scott said, I appreciate you both covering the DMA news, but I take issue with one thing that you said. You went hard about how a 50 cent per user fee is not hard to make up with a proper business model. I don't disagree, but the bigger issue is now apps must have business models. I know that you're both business owners and I am too, but I also know there are tons of people who want to make their work 100% free on principle and now they either can't or hope they don't get popular. I'm going to disagree back with Scott. We were discussing if you accept Apple's terms, you don't have to accept Apple's terms. So anybody yep. who has no business model, the way that this works is you don't accept the terms and you stay free yep. in the app store. Yep. You just can't leave the app store. And I believe what we said in the episode. So again, I'm going to disagree a little bit with Scott here. I think one of the points that I made in that episode is that if that what this does is effectively to keep those apps in the app store. If the idea is to have competition, the apps that Scott describes basically, you know, they don't want to risk exiting the app store. Although again, you'd need more than a million users at that point. But yeah, for an app that just wants to stay free, you can just stay in the app store and do it. The problem 
with the way it's currently constituted is those apps don't have a choice if they want to stay risk-free and cost-free. Um, again, the cost is after a million, but still, there is a real danger there for a hobby project that somebody is suddenly going to be on the hook for a, a big bill. So, um, but but don't forget the fact that you can just opt not to take the new terms and stay free in the App Store. And because the way it's working right now, or it's proposed to work right now, uh, that's what all of those apps will do, is just mm-hmm. stay in the App Store for free. Yeah, and I definitely feel that of the two of us, I was leaning more on, I think that the uh, core technology fee is kind of how the App Store should work. But maybe I didn't cover this fully, but like, if you have no intention of ever making money from an application, you shouldn't have to pay it, I th- feel like. But if you want to make money from an app, I think it makes sense to have just like a flat fee that everybody pays rather than a percentage mm. of anything. But that's sure. just my view, but it's a good view from Scott. Mark says, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't developers pay Apple an annual fee to be able to put apps in the App Store? Isn't that how Apple makes money from free apps? Yes. Like, it's true. Like, it's a thing. Like, they make money from free apps that way. $99 if if you want to submit it to the App Store. Although, even then, I think if you're like an education or nonprofit or whatever, that there's a, you get it for free or there's Mm -hmm. a discount or something. It's not, I mean, does Apple make money? At $99 a year off of a free app. I mean, come on. But don't forget now, in the EU, that $99 pays for your first million installs, right? Without mm. the core technology fee being applied to that's it. That's true. So that's what that's paying for now. I doubt Apple views the $99 a year developer fee, which used to be mandatory. And now you can, I think it's only if you're going to be in the app store. Otherwise, it's free, I right. want to say. Right. Um, that's not a, that's not a big profit center for them. No. And I was talking about, uh, I was laughing about the idea of Apple providing refunds as, a, as like a thing that you won't get if you use an app marketplace, potentially. Marley's wrote in to say, I requested a refund for an in-app purchase last month. It was fairly easy to do so on the phone and Apple approved it within 24 hours. The day after the money appeared on my credit card balance. I remember how this used to be very bothersome, but it's not anymore, at least not in the EU. I have no idea if that's a factor, but I suppose it could be. So I'll say a couple of things. One, it 100% is a factor. Like, if it's easier, it's because they're... But also, Apple do it, but they don't, like, really do it. Like, it's not like they're very... Oh, hey, do you want a refund? Like, it, I don't believe that they the way that Apple pitches the idea of refunds as being a benefit of the App Store is, like, as real as it actually is in reality. Yes, you can get them, but can you? And Alexi writes in to say, I had some thoughts on the quote we were saying, why is the 15 or 30% still a thing? Like, why does Apple still get a commission? It's worth mentioning all the regional tax and other regulations that Apple takes care of for developers. The complexity of accounting, if your app is distributed in worldwide markets, is enough by itself for me to find value in what Apple provides. So this is a good point. But Apple's not the only company that could provide this service. They just right. do. And so other companies do and can provide this kind of stuff. Like I think Stripe do a lot of this stuff. I think Stripe, Stripe does it, yeah. And they mm-hmm. don't take 30%. <laughs> so yeah. it, well, yes, they do a lot of things for you, but they take a much higher percentage than a competing company would. And, and ultimately, this is about competition. One mm-hmm. of the reasons the 15, 30% is still a thing is that Apple has no competition. Apple has made it that they are the only game in town for this up to now. And they're still setting a bunch of rules. And that I think is one of the big reasons that it's still a thing is, mm-hmm. is just that 
there's no yes i i'm not i don't think we ever are saying like apple doesn't do anything but pass along the credit card fee right like they yeah. they they host everything they do marketing they have a whole app store you know marketing team uh editorial team they do all sorts of stuff that they spend money on for the app store it is not zero but i do think it's very much debatable if if 30% off of an in-app purchase of a game that somebody's playing it is really earned yep. by what apple provides yep. or not and we can't tell because there's no competition. Nope. So that's the DMA for today. We'll come back to the DMA again. <laughs> DMA uh, today. DMA Ooh, today. Let's not make that a segment. <laughs> no, let's do it. Come on. DMA today. It can DMA be like, today. It comes on to the sh- after snow talk. Good morning. Right? <laughs> Good morning. Yeah, that's right. All right. All right, Mike. How'd you do this week? How you feeling? All right. Well, let's, let's get to the DMA news. I have just renamed this chapter in my document to DMA today. DMA today. All that's right. That's what get, uh, Alert. Get. Alert JD, it's time for some <laughs> custom DMA Today art. We'll Looks see like the Today Show's that. got a little rainbow. We'll see about that. A EU flag. Uh, Jason, I ticked off a bucket list item a couple of days ago. Oh, man. This is like, okay, what was the most exciting thing about your Friday? Was it getting the Apple Vision Pro or something else? I, I met Tim Cook. Yeah. <laughs> it was pretty awesome. <laughs> It was pretty awesome. So I'm in New York right now. That's where uh, I went for my uh, apps to get the Vision Pro. And I did the Fifth Avenue store because I thought it would be the one that would have the most stock when I was trying to buy. Yeah, why not? Uh, But also I thought that it would be a cool experience to see, right? That like it would be very big and vibrant and a lot going on, which is definitely the case. It was amazing in there. Plus that was the store where they put up the big vision like outline, right? Like that was the store that Apple chose to dress up. Uh, And when I got to the store, I came down the stairs and I saw uh, Greg Joswiak just standing there talking to a few people. And then I saw probably a a group of about 150 people in a huddle and I was like Tim's here and he was uh, I went into the store I did my whole thing um, and was kind of like hanging around talking to some friends who were there too uh, so a wonderful friend um, and contact at Apple PR said to me would you like to meet Tim uh, which I was like okay like I'd, it was a very nerve wracking thing for me because I didn't really know what to do like what do you say to him right in an environment like that so i was pulled through this huddle of people and i was standing there and they said to me can you just hold on for one moment and i was like yep and then neil patrick harris comes up <laughs> he just and he Whoa. starts having a conversation i'm standing in front of tim cook and neil patrick harris having a conversation about a vision pro and I was a, I, it was just one of these things where i was like what is happening right you know like it just, i felt like an out of body experience i was like Like, what is actually happening right now? This is very peculiar. Uh, And so I waited for a moment. They were very nice. And so I didn't have anything planned. I didn't know what to say. And so I just said to Tim, like, what an amazing day. Like, this is super cool. Like, I'm really excited. And, you know, and he was, you know, and he was saying, like, yeah, we're really excited about this too. Like, it's such an amazing product. And I was like, this store is incredible because it looks so great. And there people are so excited. And he was like, oh, this is like the perfect place to to do something. This. We love it. I then said something else that I don't remember. Like, I just don't mm. remember what happened after that. Um, we were talking for like a minute. 
And then I asked if we could take a selfie, which he was like so good at. He's like, yeah, of course. And took a selfie, took a bunch of pictures. I said, thank you. I shook his hand twice, which is kind of cool. And then I just ran oh. off into the night. Um, and then I went and just, then I went <laughs> and, and chatted to Jaws. <gasps> then I went and chatted to Jaws. And like, to Jaws. with Jaws, I sure. was like, oh, I'm Mike. I work with Jason. He's like, oh, we love Jason. I was like, me too. He's the best. Nice. And we were just chatting a bit. And so Jaws says hi. The uh, thank you, uh, yeah, I love Jaws. Jaws goes back a million years. Like everybody knows him now. He's in the videos. He's dark. He's dark iPhone man, right? Mm-hmm. He's the night iPhone. He's the Batman of the iPhone. Uh, but uh, like he was a like a PowerBook product manager back when yeah. I was a very junior editor. He's been doing it forever. Um, well, that's really great. I have never met Tim Cook, although I have been in the Scrum by Tim Cook. But you know, it's also I'm doing my job and. And also, uh, no PR people have said, would you like to meet Tim? So I haven't had that conversation yet. But um, that's great. It's possible the thing that you blurted out that you don't remember was something like, oh, you put my podcast art back uh, oh, so on the Jason, keynote. This uh, is my regret. If I would have yeah. thought, I would have had that picture to show him. Like, that's that's yeah, right. my only regret of it. But also, like, I don't, like you know, it's one of those things. Like, really? What who would have said? It's like, oh, no. that's cool. And kind of, no. Also, I didn't really want to get into who i am with tim cook exactly like with jaws it's it's, it's a different thing right right because i know like you you had just spoken to jaws right like two weeks ago and so like we had that connection and if it was like someone like phil schiller i would do a very similar thing but like i know that no one i know knows tim like you know what i mean it's like like, we don't even have that level and like there's many layers between you and but let me tell you exactly I've been watching the West Wing. I, I choose whenever I fly, I choose like a show that I work through and I've been working through the West Wing mm-hmm. and it looked like the president, like in the sense of like there were people handling people around well, like him. Like I said, the like, scrum yeah, is was, real. The, it was The scrum madness. is real. The hand, yeah. There are the handlers and the kind of like perimeter people. There's the PR. Or they're not even PR. They're, they're, you, you got led there by a PR person, but he has executive relations, which yeah. is a different thing. Yep. And and then and that's a whole structure. By the way, you did it exactly right. You are a pro at this because whenever I have been brought into an awkward situation where I am talking to a senior Apple executive, especially when it's usually around a product launch, what do you say to that person? Yeah. And I always say congratulations. It's a big day. I know you guys have worked really hard on this, right? Yeah. Like for me, that is the generic answer because it's always true, right? Like I ran into Phil Schiller. After I was at an event with Phil Schiller after WWDC one year on day one, and he's got a beer and I got a beer and we're standing outside in San Jose. And I said, Phil, congratulations. Good to see you. And I mean, I've I've been in meetings with Phil and talked to Phil going back again a long time now, early days of OS 10 kind of time. And he vaguely knows who I am, I think. And I said, I said, congratulations on your big product launch, because I know that one, it's a huge effort to do any any product launch event. And two, what else am I going to say to them, right? Like, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to say like, hey, Phil, I have opinions about your product launch. No. Oh, or I could just be no, like, I'm so, not going to so, say we'll that. Come, hey, Tim, that core technology fee, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, what are you yeah. going to do, oh, yeah. really? Yeah, yeah, uh, exactly. That, that's the last thing. Although you could have you said, uh, I loved all the color that you added to the analyst call yesterday. You could have said that. <laughs> I could have said that. I'd be like, what's Wom China Mohan really like? <laughs> <laughs> How's AI? How like so, but you know, oh, yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I'm sure. happy you thought that way. Cause to me, it's just like, look, I'm just gonna be in this moment. I'm a human talking to another human. Like, that's all I am. And he was so gracious, so He's lovely. He's a famous person. Yeah. Famous person 
doesn't owe you any time. No. Uh, kind of generous to, to have the time. He's he's there for work, but it's like, I, I feel like it's, it's not like you ran into him on the street where you might even be like, I'm just not going to say anything because he's walking his dog or whatever. But, but yeah, what do you, it's, it's a, it's a little interaction with mm-hmm. a, essentially a famous person who's so far up in the chain that like, and, and is at a corporate event that like, what are you, what are you even going to say? It's more like you got to meet him and he got yep. to meet you. And yep. that sort of was the whole point of the thing yep. was that. And I was happy. I'm, I'm so, so happy because I'd never do this on my own. Like I would never walk up to him. Like I would right. never, ever do that. Like I've, fortunately, we you know PR people ago? who are fundamentally extroverts. <laughs> like years ago, I was at an Apple store and Johnny Ive was there. Do you remember that? Yeah. And I just left him alone. <laughs> it's like, I'm not yeah, going yeah, to go yeah, near that's him. The, but this that's was like a thing that, that was arranged. And I'm so thankful for the person that did it because it was like, Wow, so amazing. Like, just like for me, like I really wanted to come here and pick up the thing because I wanted to have it as soon as possible. But this is just like another check in the box of like, was it a good idea for me to come to New York to get the Vision Pro rather than trying to get it shipped to me? And yeah, the answer is, yeah, it was pretty great. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Bonus. Last thing before we get to Vision Pro, you mentioned the analyst call. It's money, 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 money time. Money, 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 money quickly. And we must talk about Ka-ching, it. So quickly. I'm going to go through yep. this. Overall okay. revenue for Q1 2024 was up 2% year over year. iPhone was up 6% year over year. The Mac was up 1% year over year, breaking a four quarter streak where it's been down, 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 down in comparison. So yep. that's great. iPad is down 25% year over year. My my, uh, just to stop you on the iPad, seven seven billion in revenue, down twenty five percent year over year. All I have to say is, actually, maybe not that bad for a pro- for e- literally every product that was bought with that seven billion dollars is at least yeah ten months old, if not yeah. older. This is this uh, is maybe the it's one not to so me. Bad. I've been seeing people talk about this <laughs> online, being like, "Oh, look at these iPad numbers." That that is as you say, it's incredible. They didn't release a new one. Seven billion dollars in stale iPads. This is the actually first not so bad holiday. To quarter, right? Or like or Q1 and yeah. the same with the holidays where holiday they, Apple has had an iPad, like, no iPad, no new iPad for sale in its entire yes. product history. And, and so the fact life, that they're yeah. only a quarter down is kind of, I think actually shows the power of the iPad as a gift that still mm-hmm. so many people bought one, even though there wasn't a new one. There were no, yeah. well, there were fewer upgrades, right? Like these were mostly, I expect, new or upgrading a really old iPad. It's not like some people who upgrade every yeah. year or whatever, because there was nothing right. to upgrade to. That that's a good point. It is. It shows you the power of the product cycle that we think in a year over year way. And and do people do hold right? Like, it's how, how should I put this? Um, a new product motivates buyers, right? Like a new product, you're like, oh, I'm going to get the new thing. But there is in the background, there is a whole huge other chunk of the market mm-hmm. that doesn't pay attention to new products at all. And they're all just about the cycle um, or some combination, right? Where it's like, it's got to be long in the tooth and they've probably got to be prompted. But when you look at the $7 billion, well, they weren't prompted, right? There's been no iPad news in a year. So this is all product cycle. This is all people who are like, I would like to get either a, an iPad for the first time or a new iPad to replace this old iPad. And yep. viewed, I mean, again, I'm not trying to make light of the fact that it's 25% down year over year. They had a very good holiday quarter last year. It was their best quarter ever. So there's a reason that they were not going to ever hit that number. But still, $7 billion is not terrible for a product line that is completely stale. Yep. Just that's, that's my iPad note. Wearables are down 11% year over year. Woof. That's I don't the, think Vision Pro is going to help this. No. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I, I, I think the Apple Watch and AirPods are just kind of stale right now. 
I think that's what's going on there. What what time period does this does this quarter run over? Like these results. This is this is um October through December, the end of December. It's the last three months of the year. Do you think there's any possibility that part of that is like a a chilling effect of the Apple Watch that like people weren't buying them because of the Massimo? It's thing? possible because of the Massimo. I guess it's possible. I, I I doubt it really had a huge impact, but I guess it's possible. I don't think it would be eleven percent, right? But like, no, maybe, no. Maybe I think it's more that you know. The Ultra 2 is just the Ultra again. The the Series 8 or whatever, or Series 9 is just the... It, it's all... I think the Apple Watch feels kind of warmed over, which means that not that there isn't a buying cycle, but a lot of people bought a lot of Apple Watches in the last five years. So are they really going to update those, especially when the, the, the trajectory isn't that much? And then AirPods Pro, similarly, Air, or AirPods in general, that line has not mm-hmm. really given Apple... Apple hasn't given anybody a reason to upgrade. And then let's not even, I mean, talk about... Home is also part of this category. And home is basically like a an empty wasteland for Apple too. True, so true. my my quick response here is to look at wearables, home, and accessories and say, this is a, a, like this is like me writing on the top of their paper, like see me after class. Like this needs more attention to this category. This category feels lonely. Now I know Vision Pro is going to be in it, but again, how much impact can Vision Pro make, even if they uh, per quarter? Like you can make a little bit of an impact, but it's going to be less than a billion dollars. It is not going to ma- dramatically move a category that was twelve billion dollars, not in the near ter- near term anyway. No, and I think it says services up eleven percent year over year, which fine. Like we expect services. Yeah, and it's not a it's not a seasonal category. I took the little no. black uh, four. Uh, quarter rolling average line off of this based on some feedback last time when somebody pointed out to me, you know, it's not seasonal. <laughs> it's like, yeah. you're, you're right. It's There's not. No the, point having I don't need it, to smooth know. that out. It's a pretty smooth chart already. <laughs> it's just the full quarter rolling average is just a line going up and to the right. It kind of like, just chasing, <laughs> it just chases the bars. They, yeah. they go up together. It's not that interesting. Two interesting tidbits. Uh, I'll start with maybe the least interesting one to us, which is, um, sales in China specifically fell by 15%, and Luca Maestri stated that revenue will decline in the next quarter by they're expecting about $5 billion year over year. So it would be yeah. less in Q2. Um, they state that it's kind of, I put this word in, a, a tough compare uh, due to last year because there was some pent-up iPhone demand, and it's actually sure. going to be more in line with Q2-22 than Q2-23. I, I think... I think that's the message that they're getting out there, which is basically like Apple had some good times like a year plus ago and then and they're they're not gonna match. They're gonna be more like a year before. And this is look, this is where Apple is right now. They set all those records for all those quarters. And the problem is the bar is set so high and they're gonna come off of it a little bit. And yep. if you're an analyst or an investor who wants to see growth, you're not gonna get it really, but um you know they keep making in the profits and spending a lot of money on not only do they boost the stock price with with a buyback because of all those profits and dividends but also they're investing in new categories like vision pro maybe like a car at some point and um you know they've got a they've got a story to tell but it's not going to be it's going to be down next quarter the the guidance is down and then the last thing is uh app tim stated there will be more to come later this year on ai oh man yeah, I think Apple is so insecure about being viewed as being behind on AI, even though, as we've said here, they're behind on parts of AI, right? Like yep. they, they have actually done a lot with the neural engine. You know, they built it into their chips for a long time. They've used ML modeling and lots of different features. 
But what they miss the boat on is generative AI and large language models. And those are the ones that have captured the world's attention and they're behind on them. And so remember, the analyst call is an hour-long exercise in financial industry people trying to bamboozle Tim Cook into secretly revealing things about future (laughs) products. And it is hilarious because it never works. And they mostly learn, but then every now and then one of them flies a little too close to the sun and gets to be smacked down again. And there's much laughter. and Or they try to reword it in a clever way. And this, in his prepared statement... Tim Cook said, as we look ahead, we will continue to invest in technologies that will shape the future. This includes artificial intelligence, where we continue to spend a tremendous amount of time and effort, and we're excited to share the details of our ongoing work in that space later this year. It's a product tease from Mm -hmm. Tim Cook, scripted in the analyst call. That doesn't happen that often. He does the little nod like, oh, AR is an area of interest, or the wrist is an area of interest, but here is like, stay tuned for AI, wink. I think this made sense. I think this is a good idea. Like, it's not really saying anything, but you're, what you're saying is like, hey, at this time, but don't we stonewall have this... them, right? Like the last, it doesn't yeah. serve Apple for you to be like, we're not. Everybody's like, hey, I please, Apple, are you behind or ahead? We don't know. And they're like, we won't tell you until June, ha ha ha. And all it does is hurt them. So yeah. they're like, yeah, 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 we're on it. Watch, literally, watch this space. Well, because if you think about Wall Street, right, like. Uh, Met, they look at Meta, right? Meta invested all that money, changed the name of their company because of the Metaverse and their headsets, and then they moved on to AI. And now Apple's just released a headset. I think, like, if they don't say we're working on AI, there could be a perception that they are, quote unquote, like behind the curve, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. If te- if all of technology is moving to AI now, they want to kind of say we're doing that too, as well as this other thing that we're up to. So I think it was a good. I think it was good to do. Yeah. I also liked, and this is always one of the things I actually like the best from these analyst calls, is that you get to hear Apple, like you and I and all of our colleagues, like we analyze Apple, we learn their behavior, we explain to people, like you got to understand about Apple, especially in our, I would say in our external, like actual lives, people are Mm -hmm. like, what's Apple doing with this? And you're like, okay, let me tell you how Apple works, right? But it is refreshing and also I would say affirming to have an Apple executive state clearly the thing that you have been trying to interpret from their behavior. Every now and then they just say it and you're like, there it is. And so what Tim Cook said was our MO has always been to do work and then talk about work and not get out in front of ourselves. Like that's it. He says, but we got things we're excited about that we'll talk about later this year. So then he kind of goes back away from it a little bit. But like he says it right there. It's like, look, you gotta understand, we don't pre-announce things. Yep. We do the work and then we talk about the work. And that has been true of Apple since Steve Jobs came back. But he wants to like like say, Yeah, so I know I just want to reassure you we're doing it, but we're not gonna talk about it. And I like that. Um, I think that's, I, you know, again, I just enjoy it when they say the thing that we've all been thinking or talking about and like, you know, I think Apple works this way. And then Apple says, let me tell you, Tim Cook just stands on a, stands up on a call and goes, this is how we do it. And we're like, yeah, that's it. Yeah. I told you. It's good to hear from, from your good friend. My good friend. Tim. My new buddy. He, he had a meeting with Mike in his yep. future. Also, somebody asked what product the, um, 
the the Vision Pro was going to be the most like what previous Apple product launch it was going to be most like. And Tim gave the most Tim answer because he basically said he loves all his children equally. He's like, <laughs> every product has its own journey, which they should put on a T-shirt. Each product has its own journey. Yeah, it, you know, little Jimmy, he, you know, he's not like his big sister and and that's okay. He's going to have his own little journey and we'll see we'll see what happens, but we're not going to get ahead of ourselves, uh, you know. We're going to do the work and talk about it later. This episode is brought to you by FitBod. When you want to change your fitness level, it's hard to know where to get started, which is why I'm pleased to let you know that FitBod is an easy, affordable, and approachable way to build a fitness plan just for you. Everybody's fitness path is different, which is why FitBod uses tons of data to make sure they customize everything to suit you perfectly, adapting as you move and improve so each workout will be challenging, pushing you to make the progress you're looking for. Superior results are achieved when a workout program is tailored to fit you exactly. This is your body, your experience, your environment, and the goals that you want to achieve. This is all stored within your FitBod gym profile. FitBod tracks your muscle recovery so you can avoid burnout and keep up your momentum. And it builds your best possible workout by combining AI with exercise science. FitBod have analyzed billions of data points that have been fine-tuned by certified personal trainers to make sure that you have exactly what you need. And you can be sure that you're learning every new movement the right way, thanks to more than 1,000 demonstration videos. Your muscles improve when they work together with your entire muscular system. So overworking some muscles while underworking others will negatively impact your overall results. This is why FitBod tracks your muscle fatigue and recovery to design a well-balanced workout routine. You're never going to get bored too because the app will mix up your workouts with new exercises, new rep schemes, supersets, and circuits. The app is super easy to use. You can stay informed with their tracking charts, weekly reports, and sharing cards to let you keep track of your achievements and your personal bests and also share them with the people in your life. And it also integrates with your Apple Watch, Wear OS smartwatch, and apps like Strava, Fitbit, and Apple Health. I'm traveling right now. FitBot's super helpful in these instances too because I don't have access to whatever it is I'm doing at home. You know, maybe I'm used to going to the gym and using FitBot there, but I can easily use just body weight workouts in FitBot, do them in my hotel room or use the gym in the hotel and FitBot will adapt to me in exactly what I'm doing because I have my personal trainer in my pocket. Personalized training of this quality can be expensive. FitBot is just $12.99 a month or $17.99 a year. And you can also get yourself 25% off your membership by signing up today at fitbod.me slash upgrade. So go now and get your customized fitness plan at fitbod.me slash upgrade. That is F-I-T-B-O-D dot me slash upgrade for 25% off. Our thanks to FitBod for the support of this show and Relay FM. So now is the time we need to give our impressions Ooh. of our first four days of the Apple Vision Pro. And I think, Jason, I'm going to do the thing. I think I'm going to put it on for this segment. You're gonna put it on. I think so. I think I'm gonna I'm gonna do this segment wearing the Vision Pro. So okay, give me one second while I take off my headphones and 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 strap in. <laughs> okay. Have you have you done that? Or have you done any podcasts of it on yet? No, no, All right. I haven't. All right. So I've taken off my AirPods Max because I'm I'm going full strength here. AirPods Max and Vision Pro. Take off my glasses because I got my prescription all right i'm back with you all right and now okay now i have my show notes in front of me in and i'm looking out at haleakala 
right now. Oh. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're in a hotel room. That's not that exciting. Oh, it's pretty All right, I'm in. I'm in as well. Yes, let's do it. Let's go. All right, now. Where am I? I'm at uh, Joshua Tree. Oh, is that your favorite? Uh, I think so. It's got pretty clouds. I like Haleakala. I like looking out on the mountain. I find it. Haleakala is great. I've been there. I've actually been to where that picture is from. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. All right. Put my Mac over there. I got my show notes in front of me. Uh, so I wanted to kind of just say to start, like, I am finding talking about this product to be difficult because it feels so monumental and so huge. And even just using it is like sensory overload. Like I find myself wanting to do something. I'm like, oh, I'll go check this thing out. And then I get lost because I get excited about trying something else. Like I feel like I knew this anyway, but it's going to take more than four days of using this thing to fully form all my opinions about it. Right. Would you agree? Yes, I would agree. I I feel like it's going to take um, a lot of time. And this is, I said this on, I think MacBreak weekly last week that I actually appreciate that Marcus Brownlee has done multiple videos over the course of the last week, because I feel like that is really the ultimate strategy here is that even if you had this thing for six days and as an advanced reviewer, you're just still processing it. And I feel the same way. Like I wrote a little, FAQ story over the weekend, but the truth is I'm, I've taken lots of notes and I've done a lot of thinking, but it is, it's an entire platform with an entire new interaction model. And that's going to take some getting used to. I guess we should probably start by talking about the comfort of the product, right? And, and the hardware itself. What strap have you been using? Dual strap. Yeah, me too. Big, I, I, uh, dual strap boy here. I tried the solo strap and I like it. Um, but if you're using it for multiple hours at a time, which I have been, like I've been using this product for hours and at a time, it's been fine. Um, you need the support of the top strap. And, and I am disappointed that they did not find a way to combine the straps because at WWDC, that was what we had. It was the solo knit strap with a top band to it as well. But that seems like the only place that that ever showed up. And I wish that there was that option because I like the comfort and the look and the feel of the solo knit strap, but it just doesn't provide enough support for for long periods. For uh, the record, I've taken it off again now because I think I want to give this my... I'm still getting used to... I haven't done a podcast with before. I'm not going to do that Um, yet. Yet. Um, because this is so important and I want to focus and, and, uh, it, it, like it's sitting on my cheeks and it feels a little weird when I talk. All right, actually. I'm going to join you. We tried, we tried okay. our best. <laughs> we tried our best. No, we'll do a, we'll do on. a special thing at the end where yeah. we have digital personas and people can find it probably on YouTube or something and we'll figure something out. Um, but it is, it is, I feel like this is so important that we actually need to talk about it while we're not right. messing around with Vision Pro. I'm back with you now. I'm back in the real world. So, so people who... Uh, close followers of upgrade i don't i don't know in june we got our demos and that was with a uh, solo strap i think with a with the strap coming over the top anyway it hurt my face it hurt my face it hurt my forehead the whole half hour i was uncomfortable and then i was in a demo a couple weeks ago with a dual strap and it didn't hurt my face and i reported that back last week mm-hmm. 
So I got it out of the box and I, I put, I had the solar strap was on it and I put it on my face with the solar strap and it yep. immediately started hurting my forehead the same way. And I was like, Oh, this is how it hurt in June. You know, like I had forgotten, I remembered that it hurt, but I had forgotten the details of it. And then the moment that I felt it, I was like, Oh, this is it. So I just took it off and put on the dual strap and the dual strap has been fine. In fact, I, I used it for like six total hours on Friday and probably close to that on Saturday. Yeah. It wasn't really a problem. It wasn't a problem. I just, in general, I am surprised how long I can use this and feel comfortable compared to other headsets I've tried. And I think what it's come down to, to me, is the clarity of the display. I think any problem I've right. had with, with VR headsets in the past has been eye strain and headaches. And I think that has come from not having clear text. And I will also say, I've never used a headset with uh, vision-corrected lenses. And I, for uh-huh. the first day, I didn't have my lenses. And when I put them in the next day, everything felt really good. But the first day wasn't a problem either. But like things are just mm. clearer. Okay. My vision's not that bad, um, but it was clearer and that was helpful. But I would say that like it's definitely more comfortable for me to use this for long stretches of time than any other product I've tried like this before. Yeah, I think I might agree with that. It, it's um, They obviously took a great deal of care with this. Um, and like I said, yeah, I just couldn't be more impressed with the feel on the, on the dual band, the dual band really just solved it for yeah. me in a way that, and it's not that there isn't weight there. Uh, it, there absolutely is. And you do sort of have to get, get used to it, but I was able to settle in mm-hmm. and, um, and use it for extended periods of time. And it wasn't a big deal. Yeah. Every time I put it on, I'm a bit surprised by the weight and then I get used to it. So it's like, to yeah. me, it's like every time I put it on, I'm like, oh, that is heavier than I remember, which kind of tells me that how I find it comfortable that over a long period of time, I just don't even think about it anymore. Yeah. And like, that as soon as like, I got it. that, that top strap adjusted, right? Yeah. Cause the top yeah. strap bearing a lot of the weight really helps get it off of my face. And mm-hmm. I don't mind it so much being kind of like spread out across my whole head, but when it's really just kind of burrowing in to my face, um, you know, and the pulling from the back in order to hold it in place, it's just not not great. So the top strap helps a lot. I would say as well, I've uh, I've already come around to the look on this thing. I just think it looks cool. I just think it looks cool. I think it is a cool piece of technology, really interestingly designed. I actually think it looks good on people. Like, I started to come around on this when the reviews were coming out and seeing reviewers use it. And it's like, oh, yeah. I actually think this thing looks pretty good. I mean, for what it is, I, I agree. Yeah. Having a Quest 3, the Quest 3 looks dumb. It looks dumber than the Quest 2. It's got like... So I was, I'll was. i say this. There's a lot of debate about the idea of eyesight and having your little virtual eyes peeking through and having the glowing thing and the screen on the front and all that. Worth a conversation. But I will say this. Having it be dark in the front instead of it be, or a screen instead of it being what meta is which is sort of like light plastic with sensors like it's better it feels less alien and feels more like ski goggles yep. than the meta uh at least the quest 3 which so i think it is a better look yeah i think look with the eyesight thing it does not look as good as we as like apple led us to believe that it was going to look but i think it does the job and I think it's fine. Like I've seen my eyes in a mirror. 
um, I've been talking to Adina. She's here with me, right? And when I've been wearing it, she's tried it on and, and like I've seen kind of uh, how it can look without the eyes and stuff. I actually think it's fine. It, it does the job of what they're attempting yep. to do. It isn't particularly impressive, but I still stand by their thinking and would like to see them continue to improve it. Like the idea that you can very easily indicate to somebody that something is on and it's working and you're doing something and when they can see you and when you can see them, I think that there is merit in that idea for looking at a device like this. I I, I do yeah. think it makes sense. Just the execution leaves something to be a bit desired in version one, but it is version one after all. Yeah, I'm not entirely convinced that there isn't a way to do this that's simpler and lo- and less costly mm-hmm. to indicate presence or absence rather than having a screen with the lenticular the lenticular layer and all of that stuff. Like, is this I like I like the idea, like you said, of can I see you, can I not see you and all that. Not sure you need a whole screen with a rendered set of eyes to do that, but um, that'll be the debate on the inside, especially if you could save money and cut the price. Yep. That, that would be a way you could do that. All that kind of and stuff. the weight and exactly, and the power consumption, the whole and processing time and all of that, but we'll see. I've been seeing a lot of conversation um, about the field of view, like when you've actually got the headset on, how much you're able to see and like the fact that there is kind of this border around it You've got the foveated rendering, which can create some fuzziness. What is your impression and what are your feelings about when you've got the headset on and you're using it, how it looks, like just looks the overall screen that you have in front of you? Right on the inside. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will tell you, I wonder if you felt this way too. My memory of June is that it was a much wider field of view than it actually is. Yeah. I I think I was so blown away by the whole experience in June that I, you know, thinking back, I was like remembering how amazing it was and not really having that moment where I I, I kind of look at the field of view and compare it to my regular vision and all that. Although I wear glasses. So yeah, the field of view is actually quite similar to what I see through my glasses. It's just that there's, I've got peripheral, fuzzy peripheral vision out on the outside. Um where I don't have that with this. So it's noticeably narrow. Like I, I think um I think Marcus Brownlee said that his number one thing that he would want improved on this is the field of view. And I agree. I think that it breaks the illusion a little bit, although you get used to it. Um I don't think it's a killer. I don't think it's a deal breaker. But yeah, if I were coming up with a constructive list of things for Apple to work on for version two, finding a way to widen the field of view would be on the list yep. because I it would be a better experience if you could see in the periphery um, more than you can. Well, there's like a simple metaphor for it, which is look at every device Apple's ever made. All we ever want them to do is make the screen bigger, right? Mm-hmm. The, like uh, the Apple Watch, the iPhone, the Mac. Like You always want the screen to get bigger and the bezels to get smaller. This is the same thing. You just want the screen to get bigger and the bezels to be smaller. Because that's what it is right now. Like this kind of binocular-like effect is effectively yeah. the screen bezel. Is it, yeah. It's what it is analogous-like. But to me, it doesn't bother me. Like I feel like I have such a wide... like Because the difference with, with this product to the others is I can turn my head and get more screen, right? Which I can't do with other things. So... Yes, exactly. The screen's there. You just... 
you just can't see it out of the corner of your eye. And the screen itself is amazing. Like yes. looking at that screen, I thought to myself, this is this is I mean, this is why they they don't have that many that they're gonna be able to make. Yeah. This screen or screens, one yep. per eye, yep. is so good. And I know I'm coming from like the quest two and three, <laughs> but even if you look at, through the the cameras at the AR kind of stuff, the things around you, especially in the light that we often live in, because we don't live in super brightly lit places, regular people don't need that because their eyes can see, but cameras do. So everything's a little grainy. Mm-hmm. It's just natural. That's just sort of how it's going to work with the pass through. It's going to look a little grainy. Anybody who's had a Quest 2, it's like, oh, it's in color and you can see objects and it's not terrible. Yeah, this is all true. But my point here is, but the screen is way better than that. Yeah. Like I was watching a YouTube video. I was actually watching Marcus Brownlee's latest video <laughs> in the Vision Pro um, using that app that- uh, uh, Juno? Christian Juno, Selig? Yeah. yeah, it's really good. Yeah, Christian Selig, uh, which is just a YouTube player. It's nothing fancy, but it's nice because it's a Vision Pro app. Like having MKBHD up in front of me in Vision Pro- I was I was looking at his face and like his skin tone and and totally listening to his content too but also just like marveling it looked so good yeah. and that's that so that and that was that moment and, and you sometimes you look at the 3D movies and stuff and you're like okay but like they're we're not used to looking at 3D movies so so sometimes the novelty of the 3D is there in the immersive videos sometimes the novelty of the immersion gets you with a flat 2d youtube video i was able to just sit there and appreciate this looks great like this the displays are absolutely spectacular my moment like that was just looking at photos not spatial ones that just like photos we have taken on this trip i was just flicking through them i was like this is the best device i have to look at my photos on because it's massive the colors are incredible and I get that like dark, like it goes dark around the like it, my images that I take on my iPhone look spectacular on this device. And like for me, it's just like, oh, this is just an incredible way to look at the images that I've taken. Like, mm-hmm. let alone all the things it can do with like panoramas and special, just like standard photos. Yeah, you're right. The screens are incredible. And like similarly, yeah. the clarity of text, I don't understand how they've done it like because i you know we every device i've used in this class text is hard to read it is it is so it is. and it's clear. not it's not as clear if you're using the mac screen sharing yeah that's true although it's although it's usable it's, it's quite usable what i w- would say i mean we'll, we'll get we'll talk about mac sharing in a bit but yeah but what I, I am impressed by is that on native apps and ios apps ipad apps the text is very clear. It's. I am also surprised because my initial response to Safari back in June was that I didn't think the text was good enough, and I think that they must have made some changes because it is good enough now. Which is, it, it's that I, I heard through the grapevine somebody who told me that the, like it was good to read on on it, and I thought, well, that that can't be, but I can see it now. Like I feel like it's unnecessary to use a Vision Pro just to read a book or something, but you could do it, and the text would look good because the text really does look very nice. Do you have any different opinions to what we had thought previously about the eye and hand tracking? 
One that keeps coming to me, having used the Oculus Quest, is that I have one of those. Remember that iMac ad with "There's no, there's no step three? Remember that? Mm-hmm. Um, this is like that, where I put on the Vision Pro, and there's no step two. Whereas with the with the Quest, you can't just put on the headset. You also have to pick up the hand controllers and put them in your hands. And I know they do hand tracking. It's not very good. Um, But really, you want to just have the controllers. And so while I realize they've given up some precision by not having controllers, and that they should probably at some point support maybe a third-party precision controller for certain games or something. But like, I'm actually really happy that I don't need anything but the headset to use the headset to its fullest. Yeah. Eye tracking is the key. Like the the, the eye and hand tracking is the key if this is going to be a computer because I want to use a keyboard. I can't use a keyboard if every time I need to select part of the interface, I have to pick up a controller to do it. Right? Right. Because then I can't keep working. I'm like, pick up, click, put down. Like, and it's, different to using say a mouse or a trackpad in that way like the the eye tracking is i feel closer to that than trying to like point at something and click it with a like with a remote you know i, I the mm-hmm. eye and hand tracking is fantastic i was you know in using it for the time that we've used it i mean i've noticed that sometimes it just doesn't work the way you want it to i don't know why yeah. you know like i'm looking at a thing and it's not doing it and the and the thing right next to it is selected yeah like come on around the edges i especially notice that right where i'm like up a little bit high and i actually have to move my head up yeah which puts it more in the center and then the tracking is a little more accurate and then it gets it so there are those moments where i think oh see around the edges sometimes you end up just a little bit like i can't get that little bit more until I kind of lift up and then it and then it goes to the next item. And hand tracking similarly, it's easy, especially if you're not paying attention to where your hand is. Like I have that too where sometimes I'm like I'm sitting and I'm doing the hand gestures and it's all working fine. And then I look to my left and I do the hand gesture and it, it stops working. The reason is my hand hasn't moved, but the Vision Pro has moved and now it can't see my hand. And and some of that is just body language and learning learning the language of it but it is noticing like oh you can't you can't have your hand covered up you can't uh have your hand all the way over to the right while you're looking all the way to the left because it's not going to be able to pick it up and just kind of keeping that you don't have to have it right in front of your face but you do need to have it somewhere where it's visible and and i have to remind myself of that from time to time have you had any issues with the hardware as like has it let you down in any any spot so the the surprising issue that I've had, and I don't even know enough, I'm kind of hopeful that they will get feedback from their logs as people use this and they will improve this um, because I don't know how to report. I guess I could file a feedback about it. I don't know. The big hardware issue I've had is optic ID. So when I set it up the first time, uh, it said, okay, look at this thing for optic ID. And then it and and it's got a little animation and it goes doop. It didn't work. Mm-hmm. Try again. Doop. It didn't work. Like 10 times. So I'm like, okay, I don't really want to enter a six-digit passcode, but I'll do that. I continued with the thing. I ran the software update on it to go to 1.0.2 or whatever. Hilarious. We'll get to it, but like, 
hilarious how all of your Apple skills just translate to this thing. Open the settings app, go yep. to software update. Yep. Oh, there is a software update. Let's run that. Let's reboot our face and then we'll see what happens next. Set up optic ID on the new version. Still didn't do it. Eventually, I like repositioned the the headset and I opened my eyes in what I would describe as like a glare, like, like I'm, I'm glaring at you and I got it to train. And, but even then, a lot of times optic ID fails for me, especially when I first put the first put the device on, and I feel like I I then have to kind of like move it around a little bit, and again do the little glare, and eventually I can get it to recognize me with optic ID. But my experience with optic ID is that it was hard to train, and not not uh, consistent, and so I'm a little frustrated by that. When you set it up the first time, did you have your lenses? Yes. Yeah. See, because I set mine up without my lenses. And then I've really struggled to set it up because you can do a second. Um, yeah, because you're supposed to, it's supposed to change how it does optic ID based yeah. on your, le- different lenses have different optic ID. In. And it was failing like time after time to actually set that up. Then I've rebooted it and it worked. I don't know why. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, I was having yeah. that too. This, this is obviously a very new way of them doing this stuff. And I wonder yeah. if there's like a thing with your eyes that it, it's tripping up on. So my eyes are unusual and I wonder if they haven't, and this is why I I don't know what to do other than talk about it and maybe file a feedback about it. But like one of my eyelids droops, one of my pupils is bigger than the other one most of the time. So I have unusual eye things. And I wonder if some of my unusual eye things are what are making optic ID go like, oh, I don't know. I don't know who this guy is. I don't know. I can't, or even I can't train on this guy which is weird. So I hope that this gets better because I would like it to be more reliable for me. When it works, it's great, right? When it works, it's really nice to not do anything. And it's like, oh, one password needs to enter a password here. Uh, Done. Like you just don't do anything. Just have your eyes with you. And I do usually. So uh, that part is great. It's just that that initial, it's usually when I put it on, um, because then it's positioned kind of wrong and maybe it's pushing on my eyes yeah. a little differently and the, my eyelids and, and whatever else, and it's getting in a weird state. And then I have to kind of struggle with it to get it to unlock. And then usually once I get to that point, it's good after that. Yeah, this is, um, I'm pleased that it works for you once you get it working. Cause if it doesn't, if it didn't work, that would be really yeah, awkward. It's unfun to I type uh, uh, access code every time. Yeah. Not fun. Should we talk about personas pretty like, for a bit? Yeah, let's talk about it. What do you think of the personas? They are simultaneously impressive and weird. Yep. And I've seen some other reviewers say the same thing, which is, I kind of can't believe that Apple is able to generate a passable digital replica. It's not perfect by any means. It's not even great. Like they look weird, but it looks like me in a video game, right? Like it doesn't look like me. It looks like me in a video game, which is still pretty cool. It's just not me, right? And so 
the fact that they can do that with like a quick scan of your face and they can build a 3D replica of you and your clothing, like I think it's amazing technology. It is weird. People, some people are not going to like it. I I will say it is better off than I wouldn't want to not be able to do a FaceTime or a video call in the Vision Pro. I'm sure it will get better. I have some criticisms of the policy, which is that there's no way to use sort of like an alternate character or something that's not you as a like a for people who are unhappy with their appearance to be able to not use it. But um, I'm impressed with the technology. I think it'll get better. I, I don't love how I even even my digital personas. I've come around to thinking they're okay. No, I think great. yours. I also really took good. like six uh, of them. I think you look really good. Like, I think uh, my latest one is the best one. Yeah, uh, you look like you to me, like genuinely. Like I look at him, like oh, that's Jason. That is the question: is is do do you look like you? I think I do too. I have an I have a particular problem. Um, in normal conversation, the mouth of my persona does not move. It is a problem. I have, I have yeah. uh, no mouth, and I must scream. You do have a mouth. It just doesn't it, open. And, and it, it's, it's like, like you're talking. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what it looks like. I can get the yeah. mouth to open if I open my mouth wide. And I believed to be the case, and have spoken to some people who seem to know some things who agree. Beards are problems. Beards are problems. And so I, I. Uh, Submitted a feedback, which you can do. There's actually a direct thing in the persona part of settings to submit oh. feedback about your persona. It's a really interesting process where it asks, it shows you this is a capture of your persona, and then it shows you a photo that the Vision Pro takes of you while you're doing the capture. And it says, Can we submit mm. both of those? I said, oh, Yes. Nice. It then asks you a bunch of questions, which are just like, and this is where like, I think it kind of falls down a little bit. It's like you just tick a bunch of boxes like, what do you like? What do you don't like? And it's like a survey, but you can't mm. communicate to them anything. But because I know My how to use it. mouth does not move. Exactly, which I need to tell them, but it doesn't show me that in the options. But because I know how this works, I, I then go to the feedback app and I can add some more text in, which I've done. This is one of those things where they just need more data, I expect, right? They need to see more people with more types of facial hair to yes. allow them to understand how to make this work. And so, like, this is why this is a beta. This is how I feel about optic ID is the same thing, actually, which is, and, and I mean, we can talk about it more later, but, like, one of my main observations in using this for three days is it's a 1.0 OS. <laughs> and, like, you get in the corners and you run into things where you're like, well, this is just a bug, right? Like, this is obviously, they this is they had to ship it. And, like, I, I don't know... Maybe it's 30 years of writing about software and 40 years of using software, maybe. But, like, you get that spider sense, right? Which is like, oh, yeah. It's like this just, this got left behind. This got shipped, but it, they know it's probably, they probably know it's broken. Or this got shipped because it worked okay, and they know they need to fix it. And then people are going to tell them how it's broken. But, like... I get that vibe a lot. I'm not saying that it's super buggy, but I'm saying that I get those moments where I'm in the corners of the OS and I think, oh yeah, okay. Yeah, like that's just, it's a, it's a bug. It, it like, I, I do, there are just things that, ha- it's a new OS on a new device and like that stuff happens. Even if you're working on it for a decade, yep. like you ship it and there's stuff in it. Um, the personas, they even labeled it with beta. So they're really yep. like, yes, 
we know. I just, I'll go back to what I said before, which is it would be nice if they let you have, if they built some characters that were obviously not people, real people, but that people could inhabit. I think that that would be good because not everybody wants to inhabit their their particular body. And that would be a good thing for them to do for those people. But um, I'm sure the personas will get better and they definitely have to solve the beard problem for sure. For sure. Um, but I will say, look, I was super low on personas like because in my WWDC experience, the persona I was talking to broke <laughs> in a pretty catastrophic oh, yes. way. I am a persona believer. Like I've okay. had multiple FaceTime calls with people now Mm-hmm. And to me, I think they look great. Like considering what you do, which is, it's so simple. Like it takes a minute and it generates them in like a minute. I thought it would be like, come back tomorrow and it will be ready right, for you right. or something. And the amount of, when I talk to people, it's a better experience for me talking to people and the people talking to me. Uh, I, there's so much expression in the faces and it, the expressions that the faces make look like my friends. Like I've had like four calls yeah. now with four different people, and like in ha- you know most of these calls have lasted a little while because we're kind of just like using it. Me and you had quite a long call, and by the end yeah. of it, it was just like me and Jason are just hanging out right now, I, and it, it really felt that way. I, it, I didn't have that same experience because your mouth didn't move. Yeah, but, pretty upset. Uh, yes, I agree. So there are a couple things going on here. One, it's your actual voice. Two, it looks like you. Three, it does have some facial expressions. Four, you don't see yourself. You're just the with the person. You, um, five, am I up to that now? You can bring them close and it's like a 3D window into their face, uh, but you can also move them around. It's like you're moving the camera when they're yep. off to the side, yep. you're looking off to the side. It has this kind of uh, uh, spatial uh, skeuomorphism kind of thing going on there. I think there's a lot to be said for it that I think we talked a lot about the the uncanny valley of personas and they are viewed out of context uncanny. In context, a lot we kind of like leap the uncanny valley a little bit because of all those other things I listed. Because you're talking, it's their voice. It 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 looks more or less like them. It is making real facial expressions. I'm not sure you ever think it's a video, right? I I, I I'm sure that will happen where somebody will call a family member and they won't know that they're using a persona. I think there is I think we're also very critical. It's like um looking at Tarkin in Rogue Rogue One and everybody yep. who knows that that's a CGI character that and that Peter Cushing died a long time ago, uh you look for the flaws. But if you talk to somebody who doesn't know who Peter Cushing is and just has a recollection of him as being in Star Wars and you see him in Rogue One, uh, those people by all accounts don't notice. Because they're like, oh yeah, it's that guy, and they and they just move on. And I I think that there is some truth in that here too. That we're kind of looking for the flaws. There are flaws, but the added context of the conversation, um, I think makes them makes them if not go away, it certainly mitigates them. Yeah. And what I love about the persona calls is you don't see yourself, which I really like because I think that that adds yes, a yes. lot in those videos. And then also like yes. in that in that thought, you can look however you want if you're going to have one of these calls with someone you don't need exactly. to get so, ready <laughs> you know so i i was going to say i do a lot of podcasts um especially like but but most of them are audio only when i do a podcast that's video like, like our one. like total party kill 
this one, right? I have to take a shower. But Total Party Kill is a good example because we play Dungeons and Dragons. We do that on video and there are, um, it is a very gender balanced podcast. And when I talk to my women friends who are on that podcast, one of the things that always comes up is the fact that, and I can basically roll out of bed and do a podcast, but socially, they have to put on makeup and make sure that their appearance is acceptable because that is how society judges women. And this is not a podcast about society, but I will just say this. I believe the way this works is if you dress up and primp and get a haircut and shave or put on makeup or whatever you need to do and then make your digital persona, mm-hmm. they look like that forever. Yeah. I was <laughs> really that's surprised. Cool. That's that really it, cool. It takes your clothing and uses that. Yeah. Yeah. I ended up putting on a t-shirt and a hoodie yeah. in my most recent one because I wanted to be like super on brand. But I have thought about like tuxedo persona (laughs) and you can only save one which is another problem right it would be interesting if you could down the road save different ones with different clothing or different makeup or whatever you wanted to do but i have thought like oh you could like do a shirt and tie persona for your business call and then you don't have to wear a shirt and tie but it it would be in your persona because my ucsd t-shirt and my navy hoodie are in my current persona yeah like I realized that when I was talking to Steven and he had a Relay FM t-shirt on, I'm like, hang on a minute. Like it was like, yeah. cause I, I just figured it just put you in something like what Memoji have, right? Where it's just like right, generic clothing, generic t-shirt, generic sweatshirt, whatever. Yeah. Uh, look, I've been totally surprised by this part of the product and I'm actually pretty excited about it and where it's going to go. Because as well, there's that whole thing they spoke about at WWDC, spatial personas. Yeah, that's the missing piece here, right? Which is they're still in a window. And I think what you ultimately want is what you and and Gray um, have talked about on Cortex, which is ultimately you want to be in the same room with these people you're talking to. And and again, we can talk about like what the fidelity is like and they can't map your whole body and all that. So how do you you show that? And do they have legs? That was a whole Facebook thing that came Mm -hmm. up, right? But the... One thing that's missing is they're they are spatial, but they are floating in a little square. And you're not sharing a common space. And those are the two things that I when I look at this that I think are are the uh the immediate things that need to be addressed is I need to be able to share a space with them and not not, you know, use SharePlay or some or iCloud to connect to a document in an app that's shared, and then we each have each other on a window. But literally, like a consensual set of items that we see together, mm-hmm. which is you know right. Like I want to be in the space with them, looking at the same object as them. It sounds like Zoom meeting. is working on that too, right? Like, which is yeah. Cool. Well, Zoom's got that weird thing where they like t- they cut out your back your your background and then put you in a painting or something like that, right? Like they have that that technology, so they are working on that. Um, I. You know, it's going to be Zoom like it's probably going to be weird, but um, but it's not bad. But like Apple should do that too because that should yeah. be. I appreciate that that clearly things like SharePlay, like all that stuff, is is stuff that is laying the foundation for what they're going to be able to do with collaboration on and sharing on this platform. But um, that's the thing that jumps out to me is I want to be in the same room as the people I'm talking to if that's possible. 
This episode is brought to you by ExpressVPN. Watching Netflix without using ExpressVPN is like playing your favorite video game and not using all the power-ups available to you. Why limit yourself when there's so much more fun to be had? Services like Netflix have tons of shows across different countries, but if you're not using a VPN, you just get access to the stuff that's in your country. With ExpressVPN, you can unblock those shows by amending where it thinks you're located, and it works with other streaming services too. This means that I could watch all of... It's always, well, you, if you were in the US and you were connected to UK Netflix, you could watch all, all of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's on UK Netflix. But I could connect to Canadian Netflix and watch all of The Office if I wanted to. It is as simple as opening the ExpressVPN app, choosing the country, refreshing the service that you're using, and you're ready to go. Like for me right now, while I'm traveling, I can't get access to the stuff that I'm watching on my UK services. So when I'm in the US, I can use ExpressVPN, tell it that I'm back in the UK and get access to the shows that I was already wanting to catch up on. There are so many reasons to choose ExpressVPN for this. Super fast speeds, you can stream in HD with zero buffering. It's compatible with phones, laptops, media consoles, smart TVs, Apple TV, and so many more devices. They have servers in over 94 different countries, so you can connect to many more to gain access to tons of new content, and it works with many services, many websites, that kind of stuff. You can stop paying for full price for streaming services and just get access to a fraction of the content and get your money's worth at expressvpn.com slash upgrade. That is expressvpn.com slash upgrade. Go there, you'll get an extra three months of ExpressVPN for free and support the show. Our thanks to ExpressVPN for their support of this show and all of RelayFM. So there's this thing called environments, which are basically full or can be full VR worlds that you can be in. Apple has a selection. Some other apps have them too. What has been your experience of environments so far? I like them. I, I, I feel like they're contextual, right? Like there are moments where... I find my surroundings distracting and it's nice to be able to dial that in. I also had a moment where I like dialed it in halfway. I think using the digital crown at the time, I thought, well, this is a weird choice of the digital crown to have it be this. And is dialing in environments, is this going to be a thing or are they going to discard this and say, okay, we take it back. That's a dumb idea. After having used it for a few days, I don't think it's a dumb idea. I actually think it's a real, really smart idea. The idea that you can reach up physically and say, I want to drop in or out of this virtual environment. By the way, if you press the digital crown, it drops you out. <laughs> if you immediately need to go, it'll, it'll like it. It there are it, you can short circuit this in a few ways. But I um I I like them. I think it is funny that a bunch of them are just coming soon. So like they shipped with a smaller number of them that they're going to have. That is so weird to me. There are two right, and it just says coming soon. It's like coming what? soon. What is that? Yeah. Why is that you here? Just, you could just not have them. Yeah, also, very strange. Other other apps supply them. There should probably be, and maybe this is the first time I've ever said this about Vision OS. So congratulations, Vision OS. You're a real operating system now. There should probably be an API that nice. allows developers to supply their environments to the system. Yeah, because right now I apps that's can have happen. environments. Yeah, apps can have environments now, but they're only in those apps. And it leads to some weird situations where, like, if you want to watch a Disney movie in Avengers Tower or at the Disney Plus Theater, you have to go to the Disney Plus app and then play. Because if you are in the TV app and it says, oh, would you like to resume Avengers Endgame? You can you can click that, um, but it, it doesn't. It just plays it in the existing environment. like, And so you end up in these weird things also where like, hey, I really like the 
Avengers Tower and would like to work there. You can't. You can only use it for Disney+. And I feel like you should be able to contribute to the system, right? And it's obvious that they will do that. Uh, it's coming soon. But I, I likened it to, in my little FAQ piece that I wrote, I think I mentioned this. When I write sometimes and I really need to focus, I put in headphones and crank up music, even if I'm working by myself in my house and there's nobody else here. And I could just put it on the speakers. I don't. I put in the headphones. And it's isolating and focusing in a strange way. Something in my brain kind of ticks at that moment. I've already had a couple of moments where I thought, would I focus a little bit better if I dialed out my surroundings right now and went to one of these empty spaces that is an environment? And I think maybe, I think maybe. There are also other times where like, I'm looking at something and I'm in the, and Lauren's in the other room and she's probably going to come in at some point and tell me that it's time to start making dinner or whatever. And I want to see her in the doorway. So I'm not going to dial it in. Right. Like that also is a thing that, that, that can happen. So I think they're really nice. They're high quality. They're they're like have subtle animations that are really and fun sound. and sound. I want more of them and the ability for again developers to build them. Yeah, subtle sounds, but yeah. very nice sounds. I really, I really do like them, even though I only use them some of the time. But I think that's the whole point of the digital crown is you only use it some of the time. I use an amount of environment the majority of the time that I've been using it. Like. I kind of dial it into about 50 or 60%. So it's mostly right. just in front of Although me. Although you are in a hotel room, right? Yeah. It might be different at home. Maybe. And like, the, so that is actually really nice, right? We're like, right now, I kind of wish that I had the headset on because it's nicer to look out over Haleakala than to be sitting and looking at just the television <laughs> in my hotel room, like just this right. blank screen. Fair. Um, I I really like it. And I like, I like the dialing in too because they haven't done keyboard occlusion, which they should do. So... If you have an external keyboard, Apple should they can they know the keyboard's there because they detect right. it and put that little thing above the top so you can see a, a text floater, entry, which is very clever. Very but cool. they're not showing me the keyboard; they're showing me my hands, but I can't see the keyboard. So, if I want to see the keyboard, I kind of dial yeah. it into about sixty or seventy percent, which I kind of like anyway. And then I can see my keyboard in front of me. I can look around and see what's behind me, but in front of me is just this beautiful mountainscape. And I actually, for window management, really like it because. It just feels more natural if I have this what looks like an infinite space in front of me that I can just put my windows wherever I want. Like it kind of, the mental model makes more sense for me to have these huge windows or loads of windows all over the place in a almost infinite space. If I had looking at an infinite space, it kind of helps me kind of lock in a bit more. I do wonder, this is a, a sort of separate thing. Panoramas. Um, so I have some spectacular panoramas and I know panoramas aren't immersive, right? They're not animated. They don't have sound and all of that. I do wonder if maybe it, 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 allowing users to like take their panoramas and make them, uh, make them an environment might be a thing that you could do just to, like almost like wallpaper. But I think generally these are going to be not commonly made because they are full 360 renders with sound and subtle animation. They obviously take an enormous amount to make, but, um, more would be better. Although like I, I love in Joshua tree. I did the thing, you know, so there's a vanity fair article that came out where Tim Cook said he watched a whole movie on the ceiling while laying in bed. Yep. And uh, somebody asked me if you could do that. And so I did it. I, I opened the Disney plus app and I uh, put Moana on the ceiling and I was watching that. And uh, I was in Joshua tree. I wasn't using one of the Disney plus uh, spaces and I dialed in Joshua tree. And since I was looking up, 
it was just blue sky with clouds. And Mike, I almost turned off the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And just that's looked so at the good. blue sky with clouds. Because I was like, oh, that's so nice. It's yeah. just pleasant. And yeah. that's the point, right? Is that whether you're you're blocking out the outside world. And Apple philosophically doesn't want this device to be something that completely blocks out the outside world. But if you're going to do it, there needs to be a purpose. And it's sort of like to block out distractions and to relax you or make you focus. And um, I think they're really good. I just, yeah, I want more of them. And it it's saying coming soon. I guess that's a promise for more of them, but it does seem a little bit weird. And it's also not just these um, virt- like VR landscapes either. Like, there are a set of them that just color your room with different types of light. So, which is just like really, so like you're just looking through the pass through, but they've got like a morning, I think it's like a morning light and like a summer light. Yeah. And it also changes the sound that comes through the, what are they called? Ear pods? Are they called? No. They, there's a name. Sound pods. Sound pods. Like um, so there's kind of like, there's like a wintry one where you got like, it's like a, you hear like a crackling of a fire. Like, then they're also nice because it's like, imagine you want, still to have the signal to you of like, oh, I write in the morning light or whatever. And it gets you in, like you're saying mm-hmm. with music, but you're still seeing everything. You don't have to be locked off to the world. So like, I like that balance, but yes, I want more of them. And I want to be able to have third party ones too that are available for me. Like I want to record a podcast sitting in Avengers Tower. I want to do that. Oh, Let me man. do that. I want to do yeah. that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And right now that's a that's a that's also probably a coming soon, but it, yeah. it, it feels like it's a, and then you get the benefit of being, you know, I assume depending on how they want to do that, it's like if you're a Disney Plus person, you get to you get to be in this environment. Mm-hmm. You get that's a benefit of having Disney Plus. Yeah, is that you get those environments. Why not? I, I like that. I think that's a fun idea. It's branding for Disney and also the idea that like, oh yeah, I just work in, I work on the scare floor now. Yep. <laughs> like yep. that's what I do. That's great. Like let's 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 do that. That scare floor one is great too. Like if you look up, you can see dust particles floating. It's like oh, you you really mm. went all out on these. That they are amazing. This is a computer. This is spatial computing. What has your computing experience been like? Away from the novelty of it, like right. doing work in Vision of Us. What has that been like for you? Am I wrong in thinking that this basically feels like a 3D iPad? With Windows, man- window management. like Well, that I mean, that's the 3D part. It, yeah. it is. So this feels so much like iPad OS. It yeah. feels like an iPad on your face. Yeah, okay. But think of it this way. An iPad where everywhere is screen everywhere around you and you can place windows anywhere you want Mm -hmm. because the iPad has fought this, right? This is one of the unique things about the Vision Pro is actually, for tech nerds anyway, it's the first completely arbitrary multi-window placement device that Apple has made since the Mac. Yeah. Like all of the work on iPhone and then iPad about like simplify one app at a time, maybe two apps at a time. Maybe you could go into a special windowing mode, but it's limited and it's got all these things. This one's like, nope, 
Want more windows? Great. Put them wherever you want. Stack them in front of each other. You have to stand up to find that other window because it's behind the other one. We don't care. Go ahead. Do it. There's no expose. for. There probably should be some window management, actually, because I do lose windows from time to time. But... Um, although if you if you look at the close box on a window and you hold, it actually lets you hide all the other apps, which is that's actually good sometimes. But um, it just it feels very iPad OS. The iPad apps feel actually not that far from being at home in this environment. Um, they're fine to use. They don't they don't feel broken not being full Vision OS apps. And I think that's because Vision OS is adding some effects and some extra things you can do with 3D and with translucency and things like that. But the fact is. If you are comfortable and the apps that you use have not opted out, if you're comfortable on an iPad, Vision OS is like all the iPads you can you could want in one place at one time. And that is, I think, I that's when I, I got that moment of like, oh yeah, spatial computing. I see what you mean now. Because that's kind of what it is. It's like a spatial iPad. And I mean that in a good way. I like the iPad. The iPad is limited. But I like that. And then you can also do the thing where you connect to a Mac and then have all the other app windows around you. And then you've got uh, you've got both going on. Um, it is So for me, yeah, I, I feel like spatial computing, like I get why they have talked about it in those terms because that's really what it is, is what if you could put windows everywhere, but it's iPad windows more than it is like Mac windows. Like yeah. the Mac doesn't, there's no spatial mode when you connect to a Mac where you can take individual windows on the Mac and place some places. They just go on a 2D plane of your screen, yeah. but you can have iPad and Vision OS apps everywhere else. Yeah, I... I like the feeling of like at the moment, like setting up my workspace, right? Like, all right, I'm going to open this, I'm going to put it over here, and I put it down there. Oh, let me put that right up there. Like, I like that feeling of like grabbing and moving these windows around me. Like, there is a physicality to doing it. It's like feels good. Like, I like that. The window persistence is really great too, right? Like, you've used it, you take it off, you put it back on, your windows are back. The problem is when you have to reboot the device, they will go away. And because of the battery life on this device, you reboot it frequently, <laughs> and so yeah, well, that's yeah. A shame. I mean, not necessarily if you ke- if you can keep it plugged in or whatever, and not like totally power it down. But if yeah. you reboot it, yeah, they they got to fix that, right? Like that's yeah. that's like high on the list of things to fix. Is it's like the Mac knows my Windows mostly. I mean, it doesn't do a good job with, with Stage Manager. Actually, is terrible. Like if you reboot a Mac that you and you use Stage Manager, it just forgets where everything goes. But if you do it regularly, it remembers the windows that are open and reopens them again on a Mac. And so Vision OS needs that too. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Um, the text input is broken. I, I That is one of the most 1.0 things about this whole platform is that text input. I think the platform isn't very good at text input. I think that adding a keyboard or a keyboard and a trackpad or universal control, which we can talk about in a minute, I think that helps a lot making this thing navigable, especially just even just adding a keyboard because looking and tapping with your fingers will get you a long way. But text input, the floating, like eye typing or finger typing on a virtual keyboard is doable, but it's not good. No. And then I would say there are also bugs. Like if you have a Bluetooth keyboard attached, it works really well. But in many contexts, it still puts up that floating keyboard and it occludes yeah, I don't your know content. Why it, does that. it floats it floats right in front of your face yeah. and it needs to go. I mean, I, this feels like one of those things that's going to be fixed soon because it's so obviously busted. It like 
I've got a keyboard. I'm typing in this window. Suddenly, another window appears. It's like Clippy. Another window appears in front of them and goes, hey, I got a keyboard for you. And I'm like, okay, one, I have a keyboard. Hey, I see you like keyboards. Do you want another one? (laughs) You want another one? Let's fill the screen with keyboards. It is, and it's right in your field. It's in your view. Like, I know they want it to be like where you can type on it, but it's also blocking the thing I want to type. And that I find that very frustrating. And again, I know that they're trying to come up with the answer to like how do you input text when you don't have another means. Yeah. I, I don't I don't think it's great. I think it's also really confusing because you have this proxy keyboard and and it's got a dictation icon on it. And what happens is when you dictate, it dictates into the proxy keyboard. It's also entering that text into the app that it's that that the text input is going into which you may not be able to see. So I had several instances where I was trying to dictate something into messages and was frustrated that it wasn't working. And then I realized I was actually dictating into messages via the proxy keyboard, yep. but I couldn't see it because it covered it covers, the text the window the... of messages. Yeah. And then also you if doing? you want to edit that text, it's so hard. <laughs> it's, it's so, so hard. hard. Basically. To select and edit text. Yeah. The, the, Don't. all of the means of text entry for that are contained within Vision OS itself are for simple things only. Yes. If you want to use, if you want to do any kind of text entry, you need a keyboard. And so like to me... You either you either always need to use a Mac and use yeah. a universal control or, or you need keyboard. a keyboard. Yeah. Yeah, I use the Magic Keyboard with it and yeah. it worked great. It, it even does, it doesn't do Command Tab, which bothers me. I don't know what it would do, but I, it bothers me that it doesn't uh. do Command Tab. But it but it does Command Space. Spotlight exists in Vision OS. However, so. however... In my experience, Spotlight doesn't want to go away. <laughs> so, like, oh, interesting. You, uh, I open Spotlight. I open an app. The app opens. Spotlight. And Spotlight's open. like, what are we gonna do next, buddy? <laughs> what do you want, bud? I'm still here if you need me. And it's like, no, Spotlight. We're no Spotlight. we're done now. Like me and you, we're fine. And then Spotlight's yeah, but like Spotlight's waiting for a tip. You're in a hotel. Spotlight's (laughs) waiting for a tip, right? Like, oh, you got to tip me before I leave here. Yeah, I haven't had that experience. I love that Spotlight exists there, but I agree with you. Um, Could they do a better job? Uh, Certainly. I know it's a hard job, but like, I keep thinking there's got to be a way to do sort of like a voice-driven text input. I know you don't always want to use your voice. You're in a public place or whatever. Um, But uh, yes, I think Bluetooth keyboard is your friend. That's number one. And they do some amazing things. You mentioned it before. It recognizes your keyboard and puts a floater that's yeah. like attached to the top yeah. of the keyboard so that if you're typing and not looking at where you're typing because you're not a touch typist and you're looking down, it will show you what you're typing. And it's just like that one is really brilliant and and cool. It's the other one that's not so great. So Bluetooth keyboard is your friend. And then also that's where the passwords exist too, right? Like it's the quick type bar. So if you're using a keyboard yes. and you want to enter a password, that little guy is floating there and you can just look at it yeah. and be like, yeah. So like it's really good, but there are tweaks, right? As you say, there are bugs. And, and like the fact that the, the software keyboard just keeps popping up and it seems to always be where you don't want it, which is very funny. But like I just find if you are... For me, if you're doing some content consumption stuff, which this thing is incredible for, just use the on-screen keyboard. If you are sure. looking to do any kind of work, you need a keyboard. And But to me, though, that is exactly how I kind of expected it to be anyway. And the thing is, it works really well. That's really the thing. Well. Other yeah. than get the text input getting in the way sometimes, like... If depending on what you want you want to do, if all you have with you is Vision Pro 
and a Bluetooth keyboard, you can go a long way. A long way. Like, it's like using an iPad. Like, that's it what is. you're doing at that point. In space! <laughs> I, uh, I, was, I meant to bring a trackpad with me, and I forgot to bring my trackpad, but I have my Mac. And I, I would say that, like, using the trackpad is good, but it's also just a keyboard and, and eye tracking. Work great together. Yeah. It's they, like work, a really, they work, yeah. There, it's a very cool um, combo, actually, of, like, I look where I want to type and start typing. I look at another window, and I start... And it's like it follows you around... That is uh-huh. really cool. Like that combination, the combination of eye tracking and a physical keyboard is pretty sick. Like I, I, I'm digging it. I found myself doing a lot of like, I'm typing, I'm typing. And then I need to use a, a mouse gesture basically. Right. And instead I go look, tap, move, slide, whatever. Yeah. And then I'm back to typing yeah. and, and it's different, but it's natural. So then, you know, you're using those, uh, gaze and hand movement gestures as your trackpad or mouse but you're still using the keyboard as the keyboard yeah we didn't even really talk about the gestures i've been getting on with them pretty fine like i'm still learning some and like trying to work out like how much of a gesture do i need to do for scrolling and stuff like that um but i've i've found it to be something i've gotten used to very quickly like the look and pinch look and pinch look and double tap like long press like as you say like these things you're really just taking like a thing you already know and translating it yeah. to a different uh, yeah, gesture sure. in a way. Uh, somebody asked me if if it was fatiguing. It's not. It, it's a. I would say they're more natural gestures than using a mouse or a, a trackpad. I think you're probably less likely to get RSI from I, them. I, I think it's fatiguing at first because you hmm. you you overact it. Right, like uh, when, you, when you first use it, you're like your arms you're are like, all over. Come on, place. we're gonna scroll here. But the more you get used to it, the more comfortable yeah. the, the the it starts to feel as it becomes more a little natural. more su- subtle gesture. You know what's the same you with your eyes works, so you too. Do subtle gesture. Like yeah. when you first use this thing, you're you, you're, you're moving your eyes way and... more than you need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, staring daggers at every icon everywhere. You're like, I got you now. And, and <laughs> you can't later, get away like, from oh, me. I don't need to do that. Just glance. Just yeah. So obviously we're Mac users and this has a mm-hmm. very cool integration with the Mac where you can bring yeah. a Mac into the Vision Pro and use yeah. the Mac, use the Mac's keyboard and trackpad, use uh, continuity and universal control, which I'm so thrilled that they added to this device because I didn't know they Feels were going to do very that. much to me like one of those reveals of like, oh, this is why yep. universal control exists. Yeah. And so what, you know, yeah. I would say, I reckon, I'm just going to guess we have very different experiences right now because I am currently on a 13-inch MacBook Air in a hotel room. Yes. So the idea of being able to get a 30-inch screen for my Mac where I can Mm -hmm. actually do my window management how I like has been very cool and very appealing to me. Yeah. I did the thing where I took uh, the the screen of a Mac attached to a... Uh, and it works with any Mac that's running, um, maybe it has to be Apple Silicon, but it's running um, Sonoma, um, desktop, laptop. There's this weird thing going around where people are like, oh, it doesn't work with desktops. It's not true. Um, I was just using it with my Mac Studio. But I did the thing where I connected and I, I resized the window and I had it be like exactly where my monitor was, yeah. but using the window. And you don't want to do that. Like if all you're doing is using a Mac and you've got a 27-inch Retina Studio display, you're fine. Right. Like 
just use just use the real display at that point. However, there are lots of scenarios where you don't have or have are not with your nice monitor. And you gave that perfect example. I did a bunch of Mac work this weekend with my MacBook Air in my lap, but a giant screen yep. that I actually positioned sort of like right where the MacBook Air screen was. So it was like MacBook Air keyboard and then giant screen comes out of the top of the MacBook Air. And that is really nice. And then, of course, you can also add stuff to the sides and and have a whole kind of experience happening inside the Vision Pro separate. And the the latency is low, and it's uh and it's a it's a pretty good experience using a Mac. I mean, honestly, uh, to me, I don't feel like there is any latency. Like the the no, only it, thing is is just the crispness of the text. Um, and I've been just been doing some things yeah. to mitigate that. So, like, I was doing some work in Google Docs. I just increased the zoom level of Google Docs, and it was great. So rather than sure, 100%, sure. 125%, I can also make the window bigger if I want to. Because yeah, it's it's not as it's not as clear as it is if it's a native app, but it's still yeah. pretty good. And they're, yeah, they're, basically it feels like you're using the Mac. The illusion is perfect. Yep. And um, there are so many scenarios where it's better than the Mac experience that you would otherwise have. Yeah. And so that's that's pretty great. And then and then universal control, like it is mind-blowing to have that moment where you've got an app, a Vision OS app off to the left and your Mac screen is in front of you and you move the the trackpad on your Mac and the cursor flies off the edge of the Mac and pops yeah. as a little iPad cursor onto the Vision OS app and behaves just just as an iPad app when you're attached to a magic keyboard would would work. And you can do that in the 3D space. It never floats in space. It It pops to the the window you're headed for, essentially. Mm-hmm. I did have some bugs. I had a moment where I had to reboot, basically. I had a moment where I couldn't see the pointer anymore. I could see what was highlighting. That happened at oh, one point. Okay. A reboot fixed it. But that, and that was one of those moments of like, that's a bug. That's a bug. You don't even have to do the dragging. Like, you can just be in the Mac and then you go over there and look at notes and move the trackpad and it's there. Like, yeah, yeah. I genuinely cannot get my head around how they've made that work. Like, there is a thing to me where it's like, if I have a Mac and an iPad, these are two physical things in the world, they can be maybe aware of where each other are. Like, you know, they're doing whatever they're doing. But the idea that I have a Mac in front of me and I can take the screen and put it on the right and then go left and I'm on the notes window on the left, it is absolutely mind-bending to me. It's It's like magic. It is like actual magic. Like, I cannot work out how they're able to do that. It is really 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 cool but not just cool really useful like that you have this kind of like macintosh escape hatch for all the things that vision os can't do i just have this window Mm -hmm. it's right there and you know what i need a keyboard anyway and i have that so i got my keyboard like truly bravo to whoever it was who had to fight really hard to get this to be the thing it can do because it it immediately elevates this product to being able to be usable by more people to get their work done. Because you can have an environment where you have whatever app it is in your Mac that you need open and then surround it with native Vision OS apps. And you now have eight monitors that you're getting your work done with in this one little package. It's really cool. (laughs) It's really cool. So my tech issue here is that I saw the connect button one time it's very flaky for me too. So generally what happens, 
And when it when it happened, that was awesome because it's also a kind of one of these cool AR tricks where it's floating right over your laptop. It's detected where your laptop is. It sees it. It knows it can connect to it. But that only happened to me one time. I've had times where it hasn't listed the Mac that's literally in my lap. All the settings are right. It used to connect. Now it doesn't. I've rebooted things and eventually it comes back. But the good news is you can use um, Control Center, which you you get to by looking up and a little firefly appears that expands into Control Center and you tap on it and it opens. And there's a connect to a Mac button in Control Center. And it shows all the Macs that are nearby that you can connect to. And that, that has worked much more reliably. Although again, I've had moments where my MacBook Air just doesn't show up and it's sitting in my lap and I don't know what that is. Feels very uh, of a kind with some of Apple's other continuity features that sometimes they're a little flaky, right? It's like, oh, why is this shared clipboard not working? And the answer is, I don't know. I guess there's a reason, but um, when it works, it's great. And the auto connect is really nice. The only one, the one thing I'll say is, if you've got a, a Mac that doesn't have input devices on it, uh, you can't really drive your Mac with your eyes. So uh, it really is for laptops or for desktops that have keyboards and trackpads attached. It, it, it's not a VNC client. You, you really want to be right there with it. Um, and But it works really great. I, I'm really, I'm really excited about it. And like I would say, like I've had to do the control center trick a bunch of times too, but it actually just works really easily. Like, I never have that part fail, right? And I'm happy that they did that. I don't know why they put that in there, but I feel like they know it doesn't work 100% of the time. Yeah. So there's two ways to get it. Clearly. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. With Squarespace, you have an all-in-one platform for building your brand and growing your business online. You can stand out from the crowd of a beautiful website, engage directly with your audience and sell your products, services, or even the content you create. Squarespace has everything you need all in one place. You can make the most of Fluid Engine, Squarespace's next-generation web design system to unlock your creativity more easily than ever before. Start with a best-in-class website template, customize every design detail with reimagined drag-and-drop technology for desktop or mobile, and you can stretch your imagination online with Fluid Engine. It is built in and ready to go on any new Squarespace site. You can start selling your products in an online store. Whether you sell physical or digital goods, Squarespace has all of the tools that you need to start selling online. Your customers can have flexible payment options. You can make checkout seamless for them with simple but powerful tools. You can accept credit cards, PayPal, and Apple Pay, and also offer customers the option to buy now and pay later with Afterpay and Clearpay, and you have access to really awesome best-in-class analytics to help you grow your business. You can learn where your site visitors and sales are coming from, analyze which channels are most effective for you, improve your website, and build a marketing strategy based on your top keywords or most popular products and content. If you have an idea that you want to get to the world, a business that you want to begin, Squarespace is the place to go to get it online. It's so simple, so easy. Could be great for you. Could be great for a friend or family member too. It is fantastic. They have everything. Go to squarespace.com upgrade and you can sign up for a free trial today. When you're ready to launch, use uh, the code upgrade and you will save 10% of your first purchase of a website or domain. That is squarespace.com upgrade and the code upgrade when you sign up you'll get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for the show. A thanks to Squarespace for the continued support of this show and all of Relay FM. Now, obviously, uh, this is a truly fantastic content consumption device. 
What yeah. has been, you mean, you mentioned Moana already, but what has been your meteor experience like uh, in the Vision in the Pro? Clouds. Let's start with the immersive videos, right? So Apple has offered, they're, they're a series, like this first episode's a various series of these things. So they're, they're short, but there are these immersive videos. We've seen, there's the, there's the reel, actually, if you go to search and tap on immersive, you can actually get the, like, the highlight reel that they, the demo reel is available too. That's got right. a bunch of stuff that is not currently in the store. That's where the soccer goal and the baseball it's play what we saw, is. Right? Like what we saw. Yeah. Uh, it's actually it's actually the version that I saw. It's a little different from what we saw in June. It's the version okay. I saw a couple weeks ago. They've changed some of it, but uh, very similar. And so they've rolled those out. And those are like 180 degree ish, uh, 3D immersive scenes. And so this is the woman who puts the lines across the you know in the fjord with like hundreds of feet uh, below her, and then mm-hmm. she walks across it. And the the it's it's very impressive. Or it's Alicia Keys singing to you. That one's really interesting. <laughs> Alicia three Keys different singing cameras. at you. <laughs> at <laughs> so, you. At so the beginning. Think, yeah, I don't like it. Yeah, it, it's 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 a little. Yeah, all your social cues are like, why me? No, yeah. no, Alicia, not me. Um, but that's got that's that's in as three cameras, and you can actually see there are these little white kiosks in the room, huh. and one of them is is cropped out at one point. But uh, then they switch to the other view and you're like, oh, there, that's what my previous view was. And there are three of them. So you can see that they, for that one, at least they built a little thing to capture this. Um, also with the prodding of Will Carroll, the sports writer, I did figure out the, what baseball game that one shot is from in the, in the demo reel. It's an Apple TV plus game. What a surprise that they were, Apple was already yeah. there when they captured that. So those things, which is apparently this proprietary capture technology that Apple has built, they are so impressive. Like the rhinos are amazing. The woman who is out over the fjord is amazing. Like the the dinosaur th- stuff was cool, although again, a completely CGI capture is not as impressive to me as something that is from the real world, but still very impressive. Um, the Alicia Keys thing is is. You're just a fly on the wall, except when she's looking at you, and that's a little disturbing. I uh, So those are amazing, right? And those are the fully immersive, like, this is not something you could go to a movie theater and see. It's like you're in the room. Um, I found those pretty incredible. What did you think of those? I haven't done any of them yet. I only I just played around with uh, Encounter Dinosaurs again, because that one was fun. Uh, which is interactive, so it's not actually a video. It's It's a little more than that. Yeah, but I, I haven't watched the immersive videos yet. I, I had Lauren run Encounter Dinosaurs when she was in guest mode, and yeah. um, that was amazing to watch her like react to the dinosaur coming yeah. in and all I that. I had a Dino too. I think that's the very demo. impressive. Like that, I, I yeah, really do. I, I think that's the demo. That's why it's there. Yeah, yeah it's fantastic. That's um, why they, they broke that one out as an app, right? Like it's yeah, it's it's meant to be experienced. Yeah, because it because it is interactive. It has to yeah. be an app, but. Um, but it is immersive. So yeah, the, anyway, I think the immersive videos are great. I think my question is, what's going to get shot in this format? Did you see uh, Tim Cook and and uh, the NBA commissioner, Nate Silver, is that his name? No, that's so, Adam Silver. Nate Adam Silver's Silver is a different guy. Nate Silver is the, is the 538 guy. guy? Not, Close. Yeah, yeah. Close. Yeah. Uh, they were together a couple of days ago and were kind of talking about like, mm yes this is the thing we're going to work on this and yeah. you know they, they, it seems like that's the thing nba 
has a NBA has an app that mm-hmm. um you know where you can see you can have multiple games. It's it's definitely like the quad box gone completely wild. But um, uh, but yeah, that is my open question about immersive is can you do? I mean, I'm sure you could do immersive highlights. Can you do immersive live, or is it just too much data? And I don't know. In the future, sure, right? Like it feels like something right. you can get to, but yeah, maybe you have to wait a day and then you can watch the basketball game using that and maybe that will be worth it for some people. That was when I got HDTV for the first time. Um, it was so early in HDTV that they had HD from the Olympics, but you got the, you got it the next day, <laughs> which is, I thought was really funny. They're like, well, you got to wait. So yeah, maybe, or it'll be highlights or something like that. But still... I would think that they're going to be doing a lot of experimentation with that, probably with MLS and Major League Baseball and the NBA. Yeah, um, these are all good partners for Apple, and uh, and there are also some media partners like Mac. There's a Max app, and Max is a media partner of the NBA. So you can see that there are scenarios where these different groups come together, and of course Disney is ESPN. So there are a lot of Apple partners on Vision Pro that are also. Uh, rights holders plus the leagues are interested in there's an mlb and nba app on there on day one the mlb app by the way right now what it does is it plays you the ninth inning of game one of the world series last year but in addition to the video you've got like a 3d space where the pitches go so you can see where the pitches were or you can switch to a 3d space of the field and you can see where all the fielders are as they move sync to the video it's a it's a depth i haven't tried it yet but i've downloaded the pga app because they've got some like some previous um golf games There's matches some, some golf golf stuff as well uh, where you it's all experimental you can watch the where the shots go on a map like a 3d map as you're watching the game like and ev- a thousand people have sent me that f1 concept right and i think that that mm. kind of thing could happen in the future because f1 is also yeah. a very data rich sport so you could have like a live 3d map of the cars going around and watch like i think that is actually the really the way to consume a lot of sports is like not necessarily like you could do the immersive thing, but there's also this other thing of like using the data that you have about the game as it's being played to give cool ancillary content that is really interesting to help you like further your experience mm-hmm. of watching the game and be like right uh, active participant in it without mm-hmm. moving your head left and right to watch where the ball's going or whatever. Like th- there are two sure. different ways to do this and. It's interesting to see how these are going to roll out. But I've I've watched some 3D movies and you know, a bunch of stuff in the Disney stuff. Uh, I haven't watched anything yes. in full, but I've been watching lots of clips. It's yeah. so good. It's so it's good. good. Like I've never seen 3D look this good because yeah. the color is bright. And also the spatial audio. I was watching, what I did first is I went to the Disney Plus app, sat down in Avengers Tower, freaked out because I could not believe it. It was so good looking around and seeing all the little Easter eggs. Then I yeah. put the climactic fight scene of Avengers Endgame is what I wanted to watch. And so I watched that scene in 3D with spatial audio on this huge screen at night. It, you know, it's funny. I'm in New York and I'm looking at New York, right? Which is also kind of right. funny. But yeah, that that experience is so, so good. And like my plan is I, I haven't had the time yet. I'm probably going to wait till I'm home now. I'm going to watch Avatar in it. I wanted to do that. Apparently it's really right. good. I'm going to watch Avatar in it. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, for those who don't know, the way 3D movies are projected in movie theaters is uh, they have to project two images, which means that you lose half the light. Yeah. And so they're often very dim. Yep, very dim. And 
and you have to wear, you know, the three D glasses, glasses over glasses, and, right? Uh, right. So this is a superior experience because the both both uh, eyes are full brightness, and you don't have glasses over glasses, and uh, it's a good display. So they look really good in a way. I don't love three D movies as a concept, but I like them a whole lot more in this context. And even on even on the Quest, I would watch three D movies. Yep that I would like rip from a Blu-ray because it was interesting, but also it was not a bad experience and it's way better on this. So I, I, I think it's going to be interesting to see. There's a lot of 3d content out there. It's mostly movies because there are 3d versions of movies in theaters. They're never turned into home video anymore. Right. Cause 3d TVs didn't work. I would imagine that everybody's going to dust off all their 3d content and make it available. I think the questions are what's available for a rent or purchase in the TV app, what's available on uh, on apps. So Disney's got 3D content now. The Max app Loads doesn't have 3D content, but Warner Warner has lots of 3D movies that they could put in Max if they wanted to. I don't know whether they do or not. This is the question. I also did run into a bug, which is interesting, and I I don't know what form resolving it will take. But if I go into my library in the TV app and show 3D, it shows me like nine movies that I bought that mm-hmm. are in 3D. And I play them, and they're in 3D. And it asks you, it says, do you want to play this in 2D or 3D? Yeah. Which is nice. If I go into their store, where they list everything they've got in 3D, some of the movies in that list are movies I own. But they're not in my list of library 3D movies. So like Into the Spider-Verse. So I tap on Into the Spider-Verse and it brings it up and it says, well, you own this. Do you want to watch it in 3D? And I say, yes. There's actually even a a, a tile, play in 2D, play in 3D. I tap play in 3D and it plays it in 2D. I can't decide whether this is a a technical issue or if Sony hasn't licensed existing purchasers of Into the Spider-Verse on Apple TV to get access to the 3D version. But also, it's not possible for me to buy the 3D version because I already own it. I'm sure it'll get resolved. Either, Either it'll show up or Sony will ask me to pay more money to upgrade it to 3D inside the TV app. I don't know what it's gonna be. It's a bummer because that's a really great movie in 3D um, into the Spider-Verse because it's like it's just beautiful. It's beautiful anyway, but it's extra beautiful in 3D. It's one of one of those kind of like really good movies to watch in 3D. So they've got they've got a store issue there where there are movies that are marked as 3D, but you don't they don't show up in your library as 3D and you don't have access to them as 3D. So that's kind of a bummer. Um, but there's still a bunch of 3D content, and I hope there's more. And it makes me want Apple to at the very least, start shooting some of their TV shows in 3D. Um, but I don't know if they'll do that because it does cost to do a 3D conversion costs, even if you don't shoot it in 3D to convert it. Yeah. It, it does make me wonder if they're going to go back and like convert Ted Lasso to 3D or something <laughs> like that. I don't know. They could do it. It's all a post-pro- yep. post-production conversion. They could do it if they wanted to. That would be weird. Uh, more likely they're going to have like an, they're going to like work with Sony and license it and whatever they have to do to make like an immersive environment of the locker room or something or the field. Oh, I want to watch for all mankind sitting in Jonestown. 
instead of just being on the moon, which is a little more sterile, be right yeah. there saying hi, Bob. Yeah, sure. hi, Bob. So, so all that's good. Um, and and I'm I'm curious about them. I, I have a note about speaking of the quad box and the multi box and the infinite box uh, that's possible with this. One of the issues is I said it was basically iPad OS. As we know, iOS and iPad OS really don't want to play more than one thing at a time. And so sometimes something will play and your music stops or your video stops, even if you're multitasking. So I tested this out a little bit on Vision OS. And with two Vision OS native apps playing video at the same time, not getting immersive in any way, it works. I was able to get like the Max app and I forget what the other app was. The NBA app. I, I was able to get two native Vision OS apps to play video in different places at the same time. I was huh. like, yes. That's cool. Right? Because that's a thing you can't do on the iPad. However, if I used the Fubo app, which is an iPad app running in Vision OS, it stopped other video or stopped oh, itself. Right. Okay. So there, there, there's still some stuff to be worked out, but the dream is alive, right? And this is the thing that I really want to see. Yeah, that's it's there, right? Because the, the fun that's the hardest thing is to get the fundamental thing to work. Right. So what, what we need is the ability to have multiple video players playing simultaneously in a space. Because and separate from that, when you generate if if you're a video app on on Vision OS, you need to be able to support multiple windows as well, right? You shouldn't be locked into one. So if I want, if I'm in the Max app, let's say, and I want to put up CNN in one window and a live NBA game from Bleacher Report in another window, both in the Max app, I should be able to do that. And then if I want to add an MLS match from t the tv app and i don't want to be immersive i just want to show me the the soccer match i should be able to open that app and have three of them running i really should be able to open even more i know that at some point the processor will yell at me and the network will yell at me and it's going to have to manage that but like this should be a way of doing that because this is we're now in a with vision os we're in a multi-window space and all the apps need to work at once talking about media do you have any thoughts on the battery life has it been a concern or a problem for you? I've been mostly tethered, so it hasn't been. At one point, yeah. I, I was using it thinking I was tethered, but I, I mean, we're technically, we're always tethered to the battery, right? Yeah. Which, it's a learning experience of like, where am I going to put the battery? In a pocket next to me. If you put it next to you when you stand up, then like, oh no, the battery has to come with me. Um, there's there's a learning curve there. It's not ideal. It's a little awkward. You You learn it, but it you know, obviously in the long run, you don't want to have the external battery. That's just where we are now. Um, but I did leave it unplugged at one point and I got the little chime, the little sad chime that comes from AirPods that said, oh, you're at 20% or whatever. Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, okay, I'll plug it in. I haven't tested the battery life in terms of like timing it. I've no. just been trying to test the interface. Just but using it. It's, yeah, I think, I think it gives you enough time to spend a couple of hours if you're completely un untouched. I will say that in most contexts these days, you actually have a place to plug in <laughs> a USB device, yeah. uh, like on airplanes and, and in cars and well, you know whatever else, wherever else you might be in the backseat, of course. Um, but, but yeah, it, it seems fine to me other than just being awkward. Yeah, I 
it hasn't the battery the battery is not a problem like just having the physical thing for me because i'm like stationary when i'm using a device so i'm getting up and walking around so it's not an issue and the battery life again as you say like i haven't found it to be a problem because i can if anywhere that i can imagine myself realistically wanting to use this i have access to power like and i think that that is fine and we'll see how that goes in time right like we might have different feelings on that a month from now and that's that goes for all of this like this is oh yeah not a review right like we have not earliest days this this these are our impressions and like there's so much stuff that i've and you i'm sure we've had lots of things we haven't even touched on today this is going to take a lot of time to talk Mm. about like i have a question like my final question i wanted to ask ourselves today is what will we use it for and I just don't know if we can realistically answer that right now. But at the moment, yeah, we can, we can my guess. answer is I'm trying everything, right? And seeing how, well, during this yeah. episode today, I found out I don't think it's good to record a podcast of this thing on. But, yeah, you know, like these, but I'll work that out. Maybe in a month, I will know how to do that. And it will be very comfortable for me. And it will be a great way for me to record podcasts with one of these things on. But at the moment, I'm trying everything. And, I right. will know in time what I want to use it for. Yeah, I look, this is early days. I think one of the challenges here is people are going to view this through the lens of so many products that we talk about, which is should I buy it? And this is an immature product in an immature product category. So should you buy it like should you buy it for real practical purposes is going to be a tough sell given the price. Even though it's very capable. I think there's an element of I want this because it's the future that has to be calculated for it to make sense. Because otherwise you got plenty, you got a supercomputer that lives in your pocket. You got incredibly powerful computers that you can buy. Like this thing is the future and that's why you buy it because you want to get a taste of the future or you have a very specific use case where it makes sense. But for the most part, this is exploratory. This is the beginning of a journey. This is a new product in a relatively young category. It's super cutting edge. It's very impressive, but you know, a lot of the reviewers, the the reviews that have already happened are, it's incredibly impressive. In fact, I would say, we haven't really talked about this. I think the reviews are way more positive than I ever expected yeah. for this. I, I was surprised Way more. Yeah. yeah. Because it is such a weird product and it's so expensive, but, you know, pretty much all the reviewers have said it's inc- it's very impressive, which it is. It It is Apple, like MKBHD said something in, in a couple of his videos that I thought was so great. He's like, people complain all the time about, oh, it's just another speed bump. It's just another minor incremental update. When will they do something new and interesting? And then this comes out and there's a reaction from some people that is like, oh, this stupid thing. It's like, no, 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 you don't understand. This is what we've been asking for. This is Apple making a wild new product that is not like anything it's really made before in some ways and 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 trying to figure out what it is and what it's for. And and like we that's I think that's why so many of us got into this business is the exploration of like cutting edge. We don't even know what it's for. Let's all figure it out together kind of stuff. And that's what this product is. So um, I'm I'm excited by it. I don't know what it's for either. The use cases that I keep thinking up are when you're, you know, one is travel or when you're in a space where you don't have your stuff, right? Maybe you've got a laptop, but you don't have a big screen. 
Uh, you know, if you're in a hotel room, I think that's really a good thing. Maybe if you're on an airplane, although there will be the social issues of being the person who's wearing the headset, that'll maybe go away at some point. I don't know, but it'll be there for a while. Um, I feel like that's, that is a use case. Clearly the entertainment part works. Like the, the screens are great now in terms of that part of it, but the price and the availability of like content for it is still a question mark. But that, I feel like that is... You know, for a product that Apple, I think, wants to be part of a long journey to a, a a future product line, one of the tricks you have to do is you have to make it like, what do we get for people to buy it now that keeps us alive for the future where we know we're going? And I think entertainment really is not, not you know, uh, the immersive stuff, the 3D stuff, and then just the quality of it as a video player for privacy and travel and things like that, I think is pretty good. And then, yeah, as a computing device that gives you much much more screen space, that's a thing where it, I think is a winner now, um, in some for some people. And beyond that, I mean, who knows? I I still don't know. I I, I and I've been using it a lot, so I sh- I'm sure that over the weekend I've been using this in ways that are not ways that I would normally use it because I'm pushing it because I'm trying to learn about it. It it it, it remains to be seen what use cases I will embrace for it um beyond you know a, a a night where you know lauren's working late and i'm watching a movie by myself in 3d that i want to see that she doesn't want to see stuff like that but you can rest assured we're going to be talking about it here on the show over the next four sure. weeks months years i guess this is our era now yeah. we're in the vision era but in the yep. meantime if you want to see what we're talking about, what we're thinking, you can find us online, jasons at sixcolors.com. I'm sure he'll be writing about a bunch of stuff there. Uh, he is at jsnell on zeppelin.flights on Mastodon. I am at imike, I-M-Y-K-E on mike.social and on threads and all those kinds of places. I've been posting stuff on Instagram too. Uh, that you can go check out like photos and videos of me using this stuff. Uh, if you want to ca- find video versions of this show and clips, you can go to YouTube. You can see the entire video there. We are at Upgrade Relay. We're also on Instagram. We're at Upgrade Relay. You want to see clips and also on TikTok as well where you can find us. Uh, thanks to our sponsors this week, the fine people over at Squarespace, ExpressVPN, and Fitbod. Thank you to our members who support us of Upgrade Plus. You can get longer ad-free versions of the show every week by going to getupgradeplus.com. If you have feedback, follow-up, or you'd like to ask us some questions, especially Ask Upgrade for next week. We ran way too long for Ask Upgrade this week. But if you have questions about the Vision Pro, go to upgradefeedback.com, send us in there, and we'll do our best to answer as many of them as we can over the coming weeks. Until next time, say goodbye, Jason Snow. Goodbye, Mike Hurley. Thank you.